You ready to bring it? Yeah, I'm ready to take you down. This is the Clash of the Titans. The Rumble in the Jungle. Ali and Frazier. I'm Ali, of course. All right, welcome, Secret Movie Clubbers, to Defend This Movie 3, where Edwin Cesar Gomez and Craig Herbert Hamill are going to debate Todd Phillips, Joker, starring Joaquin Phoenix, Robert De Niro, and uh, many others. That movie, I learned, is the highest-grossing R-rated movie of all time. I know. One billion dollars. Edwin is going to be defending it. I'm going to be basically describing why I have issues with it. Uh, This will be a very delicate conversation. We're going to get into it in a moment. But uh, this is part of our ongoing semi-series where we pick a movie where there are very passionate opinions on both sides. And we explore it because movie conversation and debate is the best. Before I get into our announcements for this week... Who is in the Who is in the other rank, corner of the ring? Hello, America. It's uh, it's me here to defend one of the greatest uh, motion pictures of all time, and possibly one of the greatest roles Joaquin Phoenix ever done. He won the Academy. He Award won the Academy Award. Yes, he did, Craig. Yes, he did. Uh, you forgot to mention that that starring Academy Award winner. Joaquin Phoenix. Edwin, that's an amazing point. Let's it save is. Let's save it for the debate. So there you go. You know him. You love him. He is one of a kind. He is a genius. He is a formidable opponent. A legend. A legend. A a myth. A hero. An illusion. A ghost. The man with no name kind of vibe. A philosophy. And a a warrior. A warrior. Edwin Cesar Gomez. I am Craig, the founder programmer of Secret Movie Club, in the other corner of the ring. For this week, when you hear this, Friday night, tonight... We are going to be at the Million Dollar Theater doing a 35-millimeter double of Suspiria and Hellraiser. That's going to start at 8 p.m. Then tomorrow, Saturday, October 16th, we are doing another trailer fiesta, only this time we're calling it Trailer Fiesta Extravaganza. That's like when they made Magic Mike and then Magic Mike XL. For the Trailer Fiesta Extravaganza, we're showing two and a half hours of uh, movie trailers on 35mm. Which I can't wait for, because I love trailers, if you haven't noticed that already. Wait, you post all our trailers? Yeah, because you don't do it. I do it. No one else can do it. But no one can do it like you do it. Because I find the best like, trailers. Like Carly Simon sang in The Spy Who Loved Me, nobody does it better, Edwin. I know. That was the original lyrics of the song. She was like, nobody does it better, Edwin. But then she thought it was too specific because she thought Warren Beatty and Mick Jagger would get jealous. So Edwin's shaking his head. He doesn't believe that since that was 24 years before your birth. She'd have to be mega prescient. But nevertheless, we're doing a trailer fiesta extravaganza on Saturday at the Secret Movie Club Theater. Then the following Thursday, the 21st, again at the Secret Movie Club Theater, we're doing Kim Ji Woon's I Saw the Devil, my favorite South Korean movie on 35mm, super unsettling, almost to the point of being unbearable, but also pretty brilliant. I will say, if you haven't checked it out already, we have finalized our entire October 2021, and we just announced a few weeks ago the newest thing that we added, which is Hocus Pocus and the Craft double feature, which Edwin was very enthusiastic about when it was in the idea stage. Let me just point out, I told them this was a guaranteed sellout and everyone loves Hocus Pocus. If I didn't pressure him to do this uh, double feature, he would have lost something big and no one has done a double feature like that and God knows how long. So you're welcome, audiences. And thank you, Edwin. But again, it would be factually untrue to say you had pressured me. I'd already Again, I'd already programmed it. I, I, I know, but I told you, I told you 
You're, but that, you're, but you're that's gonna, not, you were but, affirming a decision yeah, I'd already made. But you were going to do it in November. That's a perfect October I didn't say movie. November. Well, you said November. No, you I said, didn't. Well, now you're said, misremembering Look, you too. said another month, okay? You said another month. Right, because I, I mentioned it to you two weeks ago. Yeah. And we programmed it October 28th and two weeks ago. Anyway, audience, they don't need to. I mean, but again, you're maybe welcome. Maybe you do need to hear this. Yes, thank you. You're welcome. Uh, to hear how Edwin reorganizes truth. Take that into account when we uh, debate Joker. As always, you can write us at community at secretmovieclub.com. And you can see everything we do at secretmovieclub.com. We also have a downloadable calendar now designed by our chief design officer, Heather Monahan, which I'm really excited about. Yeah, it looks beautiful. It, it's awesome. Today, Edwin, who I have tremendous respect for and is a formidable opponent, if you heard Defend This Movie too, Mamma Mia, where Edwin brought the heat, now the roles are reversed. I did Defend This Movie 1 with my friend Steve Grest, and I was defending Honor Majesty's Secret Service. Edwin did Defend This Movie 2, Mamma Mia, and he was basically prosecuting Mamma Mia. Now the roles are reversed. You're going to be defending Todd Phillips' Joker. I, for lack of a better word, am going to be prosecuting it because I have issues with it. Let's give this movie its due. Let's let's set it up properly because okay. I'm a big believer that I don't like straw men arguments. And what that is is when somebody's doing a debate or an argument and they intentionally ignore the strongest points of the other side or they create arguments that have no basis in, in what's really being debated. So let's tell the truth about this movie. We already did, but let's start. Todd Phillips co-wrote and directed Joker. As Edwin said, this movie was a massive hit. It's been out for, I think, two years, three years. It was and it was the most controversial movie when it came out because uh, certain things were happening because of the Joker. But it definitely tapped into the cultural zeitgeist. It was R-rated, and it made over a billion dollars. It is the most successful R-rated movie of all time, surpassing The Matrix. Oh, it passed Deadpool. So, I mean, that's big company to make a yeah. billion dollars. So let's just say off the bat that it was a box office behemoth. And not only that, as Edwin pointed out, it racked up some nominations at the Academy Awards and it won Joaquin Phoenix, who had already done like The Master and a number of amazing performances. I will say this. He should have won for Walk the Line. That's the movie he should have won for. But he got it for the Joker. He got so it for the Joker. It was a critical success, although it was divisive, and we'll get into that. And maybe most importantly, it was relevant when it came out. It was part of a debate. It was yeah. a relevant movie, and it's still a relevant movie. So I want to be very clear from the beginning that Joker has a lot of bona fides. Also, it was one of the only really successful DC movies compared to the Marvel Universe, and Todd Phillips was, and he was open about this, he was really channeling King of Comedy, Taxi, Taxi Driver, Driver, Martin Scorsese. Yeah. So his pitch was he was going to do an anti-hero, Taxi Driver-ish, superhero, yeah. villain origin story. In some weird way, um, Joaquin Phoenix's character, Joker, he's basically Travis Bickle with a little bit of... Uh, a Rupert, Rupert Pumpkin. Rupert Pumpkin. From King of Comedy. Like, what What if Rupert Pumpkin went insane and went crazy and then just wanted the attention, you know? And that's what the Joker is. That's what the King of Comedy, to me, was sort of going to look like. Like, if it, what if it was much darker and brutal? And I think that's what Joker hints at that movie. And the shots are very Taxi Driver-like. And that, that's important that the audience knows. If you haven't seen the movie, you should see the movie to see what Edwin and I are talking about. But that's definitely, the, the movie definitely has that vibe intentionally. There's yeah. no, you can see the Scorsese influence for sure. So now let's get into opening statements. I will say this, and I'm going to be sort of a strange prosecutor here. 
Edwin, I thought you did a great job on, I, and I thought Daniel did a great job too, but you were hilarious and yeah. passionate in the Mamma Mia, and you hated that movie. Yeah, screw and that you, movie. Yeah, you brought like tons of great points. I'm not going to be like that because that's just not my nature and my style. Yeah, I know. I've said this many times, but anybody who has a career in movies or makes movies has my respect. So I want Todd Phillips to know, and I want everybody to know who worked on Joker, that Joker isn't for me. Now, I'm not going to back away from it. I hope I bring the heat here about why I didn't like Joker. But that being said, I want the movie makers to understand that, you know, movies are subjective. The movies you love, the movies that leave you mediocre, lukewarm, tepid, and the movies you dislike, it's often very subjective. And I had issues with Joker, which I'm going to get into today. But anybody who make gets a movie made and then gets a movie made that, as Edwin and I were talking about, sort of pulls off the hat trick of being commercially successful, critically successful, and in a popular way starts a debate, deserves immediate respect. So I, I'm conceding all that right up front. I'm not arguing any of those things. I also want to say that when I saw the movie, there were many things about the movie that I did like. I did like that Joker was an anti-hero. I thought that was a really clever decision versus a villain. He's not really, it's not really a villain story. No, it's not. It's just about a person just uh, that's just misunderstood. Yeah. And that was pushed too far. Well, I don't know if you would say pushed too far. We can get into that in the debate section, but I think he's an anti-hero. We yeah. can agree he's an anti-hero. I also thought that the filmmaking was of a high quality and that everybody was invested in it. There were also, there was a moment, which you and I will probably talk about, where it's a really violent moment where he kills someone and then there's a little person who tries to get out of the door. And it was actually kind of a shocking, unexpected moment where you understood the razor's edge the movie was riding on tone and humor. Now, all that being said, I did not like the movie. I've said to people that I wish I had those two hours back of my life. I very rarely say that about a movie. Even if it's a movie that I don't really like, I don't say, I wish I had those two hours back. In this instance, I do actually feel like I wish I had spent two hours watching something other than Joker. I'm somebody where the message of a movie or the themes of a movie are really, really important to me. And I didn't really know what the movie was saying. I know that it was saying something about mental health, but I think that it was confused. And I think that actually... What I got out of it at the end was a little dangerous. I don't feel that the filmmakers were completely in charge of their tone, handling the tone the way, for instance, Stanley Kubrick handled an equally dangerous tone in Clockwork Orange. Even though Clockwork Orange isn't my favorite Kubrick. Well, it's not my favorite Kubrick. But it's, it's my favorite Kubrick. We'll talk about it. But I still love Clockwork Orange. And I think that Stanley Kubrick owns the tone. And it's a very dangerous tone. I don't think the filmmakers of Joker own the tone like in Clockwork Orange. And I, I left at the end of the movie feeling a little uneasy because I didn't know exactly what it was saying. I think the movie was dangerous not in the healthy way. I think it was dangerous because what is it saying about mental health? People who have mental health issues, what are they supposed to walk away with from that movie? Number two, I think the movie thought it was deeper than it really was. I think that it thought it was profound, but at the end of the movie, I didn't find it to be as deep or profound as it, th as it thought it was. I also found that the movie was derivative. Now, I think a lot of people didn't pick up on this, but in the end, I just kept going, oh, he loves Scorsese. Like, this movie to me just feels like, maybe I, maybe I wish I had just watched King of Comedy and Taxi Driver again. I, I don't need to spend two hours watching someone paying homage to King of Comedy and Taxi Driver. I'd rather just go back to the source. 
And finally, and, and maybe I'll make other points, but even as a comic book movie, I think it was a bit misguided. Like, I don't know that Joaquin Phoenix is going to come back to play Joker. They totally changed the mythos of Batman. In the mythos of Batman, I think and maybe it's only in the Tim Burton movies, but Joker... Well, there's multiple origin stories of how Batman was created. You know, there's different types of characters that killed his parents. One's robber and the other one is Joker, which is in a different comic book version, which Connor would explain to you about that. There we go. In this version of Joker, they animate that somebody inspired by Joker Almost like John Hinckley, who was inspired by a taxi driver. Well, no, it's not Joker. He doesn't kill the. No, I just, I just, I wouldn't say inspire. I, I, I think he just did it, like out of coincidence. I don't think it was inspired. But I would just say that it messed with the Batman mythos and ethos in a way that I didn't think was actually all that smart. I, for a while, I loved it. For a while, I thought, oh, it's great. Bruce Wayne's dad is a, <laughs> and that was really interesting. But then. And we'll get into it. I, I don't think it did the Batman ethos or the DC universe ethos any helps with the choices it made on messing with the Batman mythology. So those are those are my initial points. Edwin, opening statement. Well, Craig, um, those were some some good observations, but I think you're wrong. I think you're very much wrong. This movie's a masterpiece. I remember when we showed it at the, at the Vista, the studio gave us a 35 print, and it looked stunning and beautiful. I, w- I will say this one thing, though. I think Todd Phillips should have shot this on film to give it the more 70s feel for it instead of just shooting digitally. Because when you, when you see a 35 print and a movie that's shot digitally, it looks different. But that's just me. But other than that, Joaquin's performance in this movie is terrific. is incredible. One of the greatest performances he's ever done in a long time. And of course, um, yes, the, the Batman origin. I mean, I, pr- I pretty much knew that was coming either way. I mean, I don't think that person was inspired by Joker's, you know, and like message about everyone should go crazy and cause chaos. That's just by coincidence. Of course, if you didn't notice, the takes place in 1982 because the Excalibur poster is at the theater where the Waynes come out of. So if anyone didn't notice that, I did. The one part I did find quite disturbing and I think, well, to me, it's one of the best scenes in the film is where he's being bullied in the train station because his mental issue is coming out of him because he couldn't stop laughing uncontrollably. And they kept pushing and pushing him until he just snapped and killed those guys, which to me was the most graphic and disturbing part of the movie. And, and, and there were people that clapped in the theater with that scene, like, oh, God, that's Cess's. People, people like that? I mean, I, don't get me wrong, it's a great scene. And, of course, uh, Robert De Niro's in it who is playing Jerry Lewis. Yeah. He's playing Jerry Lewis, but a more, you know, not nice version. Yeah, he doesn't care about no, he doesn't Joker care. at all. He doesn't. He just yeah. cares about the ratings and about the show. And Joker's name is Arthur, right? Yeah. Yeah, he doesn't care about Arthur at all. Yeah, he does not. He yeah. just cares about what he what he looks like and is, is using for a show, like an item. Yeah, making fun of it. Make, yeah, and that's why he just shoots him right in front of those people. And that scene was like, oh, my God. This is happening. And we got that great scene in the white room. And then they get that shot of him in that squad car while all the chaos is happening around him. It's so beautifully led. And the coloring in that movie is terrific. And also, the scene where he has a girlfriend and reality is not. That, oh, yeah, yeah. that, that I felt kind of sad because for a person like that, a person that can love and that can be with someone is great. But when you find out that is not real, and she doesn't know him. It was all in his head. That I found quite sad, because he could have been a normal person with that person, you know, but ends up not being true, which I found very sad. And the mom, who basically 
beat him up as a kid and then and then suffocating her. That was also pretty pretty traumatizing as well. And I will say those two hours were great. I don't know what I don't know what your deal was. I mean, yeah, I, yeah. If you want to watch King of Comedy and Taxi Driver, go for it. To me, this is like the best adaptation of those two movies combined. Like no one, no one has ever done that in a long time, besides Bringing Out the Dead, which is basically Taxi Driver Part Two, right. uh, ambulance style. I saw a, a video of Scorsese talking about Joker, and I'm, I'm pretty sure he he admires the film of what it is. And I'm like, yeah, of course, this is this is my film. This this is it's basically the King of Comedy. But uh, I'm pretty sure he's a fan of it. I hope, and I think this is one of the greatest films of 2019. And I'm so glad I got to see it in the theater. One of the points that I want to make is that I love dark movies. I don't mind violence. The way that I always look at cinema is. If it's fascinating art, fascinating cinema, and I feel like the artist or the filmmaker really has thought through everything, and I know that it's fake, basically. I know that no one really died, no one really got hurt, it's just a story. Then I'm usually game for anything. And the movie I always cite is one of my favorite movies is this Takashi Miike movie called Visitor Q. Oh, which, I have seen that picture. Yeah, which very few people can get all the way through. Because it's just every scene is a taboo. Every scene is almost unbearable. But the movie is so brilliant to me because in the end it has a happy ending and is about family and when you watch the Miyake film you're like that was brilliant and it's very darkly comic and what I would say is that movies like Clockwork Orange and Visitor Q to me those filmmakers Miyake and Kubrick I feel they had a real handle on where they were going yeah. and what they were doing when I saw Joker the scenes I got confused on like if I'm remembering and you brought it up Progressively, I started to feel uncomfortable and kind of sick by the violence. And that rarely I happens mean, to me. But not, not in the way where it was like, oh, the violence is making me sick. Let me think about the violence. I think the movie was trying to have its cake and eat it too, which is a problem. I think it was trying to be both a commercial superhero movie or anti-hero movie, and it was trying to have super disturbing scenes. But like, I mean, the point you made is, is a good point. Those three dudes, are they business dudes or they're, frat dudes? They're like uh, New York yuppies or something like, like that. like yuppie white frat yeah. dudes, right? And then what I remember is they're not like beating him up with a crowbar or anything. No, they're just, they're just like making fun of him. being, being And then he kills them. Yeah. Right. And then later on he smothers his mom. And then there's a scene where two guys come to talk to him and he just straight up stabs him in his apartment. What was that scene? Oh, no. It was a scene where it was with the little person and the other person he worked for for the clown company. Yeah, at the beginning. And I think this person was going to turn him in. Oh, yeah, And yeah. he was kind of a to him, too. And then he kills him. And he let the little person go because he was the only person that was nice to him. So that tells you right there, like, he's not all that bad unless you physically bully him. And then there's, the, as you said, the scene where he shoots Robert De Niro on live TV. Yeah, that was dark. Yeah. And there's this word, nihilism. And... Not, you know, the Coen brothers famously made fun of it in Lebowski with the nihilists and John Goodman's like makes fun of the nihilists because nihilism is sort of this sense that nothing means anything. Therefore, if you're a nihilist, it doesn't matter what you do. You, you can kill people. You can be dark. You can cheat people. You can F people because there's no meaning. There's no God. There's no philosophy doesn't mean anything. And so you can you can just be a nihilist when there's nihilism in film. I find it unsettling. It's just not how I see the world. I found that the violence in this movie was opportunistic and nihilistic, and I didn't know what it was trying to say. Like, well, it's Todd Phillips' first dark movie, because look at his run. He did mostly comedies. But, but what I'm asking you, because I respect your taste in movies, Edwin. Yeah. I really do. And, and I sort of respect... 
respect yours. Except for Bergman. <laughs> yeah, that person I, I would not do. I'm right. sorry. I can't. But, but my question to you is this. Yeah. You've seen plenty of dark movies. Of course I have. I've seen plenty of violent movies. Yeah. You and I both love action movies. I do. Yeah, but my question to you is, what do you think? Because this violence is meant to disturb you. Yeah. It, what what do you think he's saying with it? Oh, man, that's, that's a good question. Um, I, I don't know. I guess... Because, you know, Taxi Driver was dark, too. Though that scene where he goes, saves Jodie Foster, I feel like he was channeling that. But don't you feel in Taxi Driver, like, you're in good hands? Yeah, I mean, I mean, he did. He was going to kill the senator dude, but he immediately changed his mind. I just thought something. Because... Right, because in Joker, he's going to kill someone else. Yeah, he, 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 kills, he kills Robert De Niro. Yeah, but and he was, was going to kill someone else. That's why he asked. He was going to kill himself. Yeah, he was. But, on live TV. Yeah. But instead, he didn't do it because that's not what Travis Bickle did. He, he, he became some of a hero, and a Joker became the anti-hero, sort of, for people that were mistreated or, you know, standing up for the little guy. Right, but what I'm saying to you is that when I watch Taxi Driver, yeah. I don't want to be Travis Bickle. No. And what I what I get at the end of the movie is there, there are people like Travis Bickle in the world. Uh, they're lonely, and they have all this violence and repression. And in the case of Travis Bickle, he lucked out because it was against pimps. But it could have been against a politician. It could have been someone... And I, I get the point of Taxi Driver. I think Schrader and Scorsese and De Niro and, and Jodie Foster made this brilliant, and Harvey Keitel made this brilliant movie. Yeah. In Joker, what, what is he saying about mental health? What's he saying about people with mental health issues? That, I mean, don't, that they're don't, murderers? With mental health, I guess, I guess this, the meaning is like, don't bully these people that have mental health. Because problems. they're going to become mass murderers and kill a bunch of people? I mean, not just that. I mean, but that's, I, that's demeaning to people with mental health. Yeah. 99% of people who have mental health issues are never going to hurt anybody. That's true. But in, th in this case, he did and, and became the Joker. And there are people with mental health issues who are violent. Yeah, Let's be honest about that. I yeah, mean, course, in fact, is. almost anybody who is murderous and violent probably... Unless it's war, they have to defend themselves, has a mental health issue. You got me with the mental health thing. That's a, that's a subject I haven't gone into. I never talked about. But it makes way for mental health, you know, putting out there with people that have that kind of ability. Like the scene where he's in the bus and he's laughing uncontrollably and people were like, well, what is this guy doing? And he gives her a card saying, yeah, yeah. this is what this person has, you know, please respect this. And then that person kind of understood. But when we get to the train scene, he, he's being pushed. And next thing you know, he kills them. I guess that's that's, that's the way to turn someone crazy, I guess. Uh, not crazy, but become somewhat like Travis Bickle. But my point is that I think the movie is, and this is the weird responsibility and danger of movie making. It's weird because I'm, I'm about to make a contradictory statement. I totally agree with what Dave Chappelle says, where he's like, I'm a stand-up comedian. I should be able to make fun of everybody and everything. And you guys shouldn't take it all that seriously. I think there's actually a lot of wisdom in that. I think we become a society that's that just gets too uptight, too serious. Because what happens is if you censor everything, you're no longer in a democratic society. So, and that's what Joker is. And I, what, I'm, what I'm trying to say is I also think that artists should be able to explore taboo subjects. But at the same time, you can't walk away from the fact that movies are very powerful. And uh, we love movies because they are very powerful. So to me, Joker felt like it was trying to have its cake and eat it too, where it was trying to be about a superhero but then it was trying to say something about mental health. But we've already been over this ground. Let's go to something different. So I feel that Joker is made by somebody who... And by the way, as Connor will tell you, you I'm not really a comic book guy. Me either. Yeah, yeah, I've only read a few graphic novels. I've only read a few comic books in my life. I like them. I respect them. I've seen the movies. Yeah, I have too. 
Watchmen, Alan Moore's Watchmen is in my top 10 favorite novels of all time. And also Zack Snyder's best movie of the of the movie Watchmen. His, his Watchmen's really good. It's incredible. Yeah, I'll go with you there. Although I don't like how he changes the novel, but that's a conversation. Well, I mean, time. I mean, come on. I mean, it's a longer conversation. But what I will what I will say is that I still feel that they made a lot of missteps in Joker with the ethos, which is what are they saying about Joker's relationship to the Batman family? And I'll just make it real. Oh, because uh, his mother was sort of a housemaid for the Wayne Manor, but it turns out she was just being crazy and then fired her. And then the mom said, Thomas Wayne's your father. And he's trying to figure out if that's dad or not. And it turns out he's not. And the mother of her is not his real mother. And basically told him the hard truth by figuring it out. We're about to see, and I'm so glad I've heard that No Time to Die is amazing. So I hope that these reviews are all true. The, the, the final Daniel Craig Bond. But as I've said many times, I love Casino Royale. It's in my top three or four Bond movies of all time. Okay. We'll get into it. But I actually think that the movies after Casino Royale totally misused Daniel Craig, wasted him. I think he and Sean Connery are the best Bonds, hands down. <laughs> uh, I don't know about that. But I would say that the only great Craig Bond movie is Casino Royale. And here's the reason. is I think they tried to like suggest that Blofeld and Bond were related somehow that they were almost brotherly. They tried to work in too much of a family thing. Yeah. Inspector, they do this whole thing where, and I was like, that's not good writing. Like, they don't always have to be related by family. And I would just say that Joker makes the same mistake where they're going to be like, well, well the reason well, that Joker and Batman are going to be lifelong arch rivals is that Joker was told that his dad was Thomas Wayne. And I was like, that's too much. That was not too much. I mean, you, you figure out that this guy is not really his father and, and he gets beaten up for it. It's like, get the hell out of here, crazy. Because, so I'm a writer, you're a writer. Yeah. And this is just a subjective writer thing. But when I write a first draft of any script that I do, it inevitably is horrible. <laughs> and I hate that. Um, I've only had, well, I'm talking about me. Not oh, yet. yeah. yeah. I've only, there's one movie I wrote, which I'll show you one day. It was a short I did. I literally wrote it, and I think cut one scene, and I shot it exactly how I had written my first draft. And it was a, a movie I made called The Cleats of Eminent Doom. And I'm proud of that movie. Didn't MTV was going to pick it up? It was picked up by IFC. Oh, really? It was, yeah. And wow. it was shown for three years. It was licensed by IFC. So you're thinking about a feature film I was going to make. That's another time. But what I'm saying is I wrote this first draft. This isn't the whole point of this. All I'm saying is that the only time I've written a good first draft was like a few of my short films. My feature films, I write a first draft. It's awful. I show it to people. They tell me it's awful. I rewrite it. And it's only by the third draft, usually, that it becomes what it was meant to be. And what you discover, what I'm getting at, Edwin, is you discover that the things you initially thought were going to be great turn out to be obvious. And I go back and I try to make it less obvious, more interesting. The decisions in Joker made me groan. They felt obvious. That's what I'm saying about the Batman ethos. I disagree with you there. I disagree with you there. Because... It's kind of interesting to find out, like, different versions of the Batman origin and different versions of Joker. And for this one, that you think Bruce Wayne and Joker are related, but it turns out they're not because his mom manipulated him, saying that Thomas Wayne is your father. And next thing you know, Thomas Wayne tells Joker that I'm not. Your mother's just crazy. In fact, she's not even your real mother. She just took you as a kid. And next thing you know... And then we got the Batman origin. No, I dig it. It worked for you. It worked for me. I didn't see a problem with that. And I, I dig that. I was just like, oh, come on. Because the Joker is such a fascinating character. If you're doing a superhero movie or a comic book movie, your villain and your hero 
when people do it really well, they're oftentimes they're the same character with just a little tweak or difference. There's something interesting about them. I just didn't feel that they needed to be related through Thomas Wayne or even the Wayne Manor, the Wayne household. I thought you could just be like, hey, Joker is this guy who is this agent of chaos. And here's why he's an agent of chaos. And here's the other thing. Here's my, my other point. Oh, now I'm starting to dance, homie. Now it's Ali versus Foreman. Who's Foreman? Who's Ali? I'm Ali. Okay. Well, here we go. Let's see. That's for the audience to decide, Edwin. The point of Joker is Joker's supposed to enjoy the chaos. Uh, he does enjoy the chaos. But they set him up as being tortured with this mental health issue. Do you not see him when, when the cop car flips over and he's like just dancing and look all around that's a city but building I didn't, But I didn't enjoy it. It didn't seem I like- enjoyed it. I thought it was the most best shot in the whole film. As they see him and he, as he put the smile over his face with his blood, like, oh my God. But I just incredible. felt like Joaquin Phoenix was giving this tortured performance. No, no, I, no. The, that I felt like Arthur's life was just awful. I think the thing that gives Batman its tension, Jack Nicholson. Let's just, let's just go through this. Okay. How fun is Jack as the Joker? Incredible. He's hilarious. Okay. Now, Heath Ledger, totally different. And I'm sorry because I think that maybe Heath playing that part contributed to some of his issues. I don't know that that's true. I heard that Jack Nicholson told him, don't take the role. Uh, I don't know if that's true or not, but Heath Ledger, how's Heath Ledger is the joke? Incredible. I'm glad he won the Academy Award. And that movie, he's enjoyable to watch because he's so scary. How enjoyable was it to watch Joaquin Phoenix suffer for two hours? Okay. I see what you're doing. Look, this particular Joker is a different Joker, all right? Yeah, he's a miserable Joker. Yeah, a miserable Yeah, Joker. but... Th- if you saw the shows and the comics, there's multiple different origins of Joker, and then this is one of them. This is the sad version of Joker and how he became what he became. The scene where he kills De Niro, and then he's in a cop car, and you see everything that happened. You see all the madness, all the chaos because of him, of what he said on the show and everyone cheered for him. That's your chaos right there. And he is enjoying the chaos that's around him. And when that car flips and they pull him out and you see him that, hey, that's the guy who killed De Niro. And he's just sitting on top of the upside down car and, and, and he's just smiling around that everyone is, is rooting for him, you know, cheering. And, and there's your chaos right there. And he's just dancing around as Joker, who will become what he is. How do you feel about De Niro? You know, it's interesting, too, because De Niro's uh, producer is played by Mark Maron, who does the WTF podcast. And I have a lot of respect for Mark Maron. It, it was sort of, it was funny to see him in that role. I love De Niro, and De Niro is always interesting to me. But the funny thing here is that I didn't feel like he inhabited the role like he does with his best work. I was watching him, and he's supposed to be this wildly popular talk show host. I didn't believe it. I saw De Niro playing a talk show host. It's hard to explain. Like, De Niro's not a natural comic. I mean, he, he was funny in King of Comedy. I mean, come on. He's... And he's funny in Meet the Parents. Oh, he's yeah, funny in Midnight that. Run. Yeah, that's true. There's a distinction. He's good at comedy, but... In this movie, he's playing a stand-up comic host, like Conan O'Brien, like David Letterman. I didn't buy that he understood that personality. So, closing statements on the Joker. I want to thank you, Edwin, because I actually feel we had more of a conversation than a debate. Yeah, yeah, it's weird, because I think it would have been better if we talked about Die Hard with a vengeance. That's just my pitch, but it was good to talk about Joker, because I think that's a... Wild movie to talk about. It is. I think the thing is that Die Hard with a Vengeance 
would have been fun, but I don't think many people are passionate about that movie. Have you not seen the comments? I know. Edwin's passionate about have that Have we movie. not seen the 2,000 views we got? People want to see Die Hard with a Vengeance, man. There you go. Bruce Willis, Jeremy Irons, Sam Jackson. That's the most passionate you've gotten this whole podcast. Is about Die Hard with a Vengeance. So how, like, how passionate were you really about Joker? I loved it. Okay, but you never got that passionate about it. You got more passionate in these 10 seconds about Die Hard with a Vengeance than you did for 50 minutes talking about look, Joker. Look, look, well, you guys, you, it's a difference, man, all right? I, I, I said right. Die Hard with a Vengeance got you passionate. Yeah. Joker has problems, so you weren't passionate about it. But let's go, let's go to closing statements. Joker is one of the greatest films that ever came out in 2019. I'm glad I saw it. I saw it on 35. It looked great. And also... We're going to freaking show it on 35, and we're going to have a sold-out show, guarantee. Okay. Warner Brothers got a print. Is that your closing statement? No, I'm not done. Okay. Look, all I'm saying is Joker is one of the most brilliant, well-shot, and well-made films of all time. Todd Phillips doing a serious role, like a serious film about a DC villain and achieves it by combining two of the most greatest motion pictures together, Taxi Driver and King of Comedy, and turning him to a horror show. I'm in for it. That's what I want to see. Let's say hi to Casey. Case! Hi, Casey. Casey, real quickly, we're in closing statements. Joker, thumbs up, thumbs down. Thumbs down. Boom! You go to hell! Boom, 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 You suck! Boom, 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 You're a terrible human being, Case. Casey gave it thumbs down. No plot. No plot! You're not a plot! Paints mentally Oh my god. Paints mentally ill people in a negative you light. You want to talk? You want to talk about this movie? Audience, I didn't, even, I didn't even prompt Casey to do that. <laughs> Casey just showed up. Casey, real quickly, we're in closing statements, but guest star, Casey Young. Hi. Hey, Joker, hot take, 30 seconds. Uh, hot take, 30 seconds. Uh, one of the worst movies ever made because it Lies. tries to be two of the best movies ever made. Lies. Uh, horrible performances from all the great actors in there. I think Todd Phillips can direct. He just did a horrible job. Oh, it makes the Joker look bad. That's it. Do, do, do you want to see him do a hangover movie? Is that it? You want to see Top Bill do another hangover movie? Is that it? Is that what we want to see? No, just make a good movie. Okay, You're not a good movie. But just on uh, just a random thing, what do you think about the Licorice Pizza trailer? Looks awesome. Best trailer ever. What do you think about the band Haim? Best band ever. What do you think about the movie Titan? Uh, haven't seen it. Looks amazing. What do you think about female-led movies? They're the best. What do you think about Jesse Plummett? Best actor alive. What about Lakeith Stanfield? Second best actor alive. Okay, thank you, Casey Young. <laughs> so I disagree with everything that everyone just said right now. I think Joker is truly one of the most greatest motion pictures ever made. And I'm glad, I'm glad that Joaquin Phoenix won the Oscar. Sorry, audiences. Casey's I was, already walked away. I, 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 just wanted to, I just wanted to yell at him so he could hear me. So I'm pretty sure he heard the message. I, I'm glad Joaquin Phoenix won the Oscar. I'm pretty sure he's stacking the bathroom with toilet paper right now. But keep going. It may, it may not be for everyone. It may not be for some people. But it truly is one of the best films ever. I, my problem is that I don't think that Joker knows what it's saying exactly. And therefore, it's a confused and confusing movie that I think for people with real mental health issues could make them feel bad, could make them feel confused about what are they saying about people with mental health? Are they trying to support me? Are they trying to say that I'm capable of being murderous? And I think that when you're going to take on dangerous topics or have a dangerous take, you can do it. And I think many directors, uh, you know, Psycho, Hitchcock, Spielberg, Munich, Scorsese, as we've already talked about, Taxi Driver... Kubrick, Clockwork Orange, or Strangelove, Cronenberg, Crash, 
Uh, many directors have taken on problematic, controversial topics and have had a mastery of tone. And I just think that this movie is all over the map in terms of tone. I think it doesn't have a handle on it. I think it leaves me feeling a little uneasy. And it's one of the few movies I wish I hadn't watched. And I wish I had spent two hours watching something else. And uh, that's just my subjective take on it. But audience, you should see it. You should decide for yourself. And again, I have to end by saying Todd Phillips made a movie that made a billion dollars. Joaquin Felix delivered a performance Phoenix. that Joaquin Phoenix, sorry, delivered a performance that won the Academy Award. Yep. Everybody involved in that movie took a chance and movies that take a chance and achieve success deserve credit and respect. So I give Joker credit. I give Joker respect. It just wasn't for me. And I think it has major, major problems. It just is a lesson to me that if I'm ever lucky enough to make a movie and I want to make something dangerous or controversial, I really am going to need to think it through and make sure the script sticks the landing because I don't think Joker does. I still disagree with you. So audience, that's the end of our Defend This Movie. Connor Lloyd Cruz, our uh, chief creative content officer, edited this. As always, check out secretmovieclub.com and go to Eventbrite to see all of our movies. Tonight, we're going to be doing Suspiria and Hellraiser at the Million Dollar Theater Movie Palace downtown LA on 35mm. You can write us at community at secretmovieclub.com. Edwin, it was a pleasure to debate <laughs> you. I respect mm. the heck out of you. Thank you. I still love you. Yeah, yeah, even though... Um, we can't store VHS tapes anymore at our club. Well, guess what? We'll let the audience decide about that. No, we're not going to They, they want me to be a legend. Edwin, you're a hoarder. We got to talk <sighs> about it. Ah. Has anyone, am I the first person to tell you that you're a hoarder? Hey, Secret Movie Clubbers, butting in into this hilarious moment between Edwin and his boss to tell you that next week's episode... Secret Movie Club Podcast 77 will be about Donnie Darko and cult films. Uh, all right. God bless. Take care. We, we were very curious to see what you think, Secret Movie Clubbers. Yeah. Comment on this. Tell us what you think of Joker. And uh, watch great movies. We'll talk soon. Peace. Bye, America. Bye.